2 Samuel, chapter number 16. I want to preach on a topic. To my knowledge, I've never preached on while I've been here at Walridge, but I hope it'll be a help to you tonight. And uh, it slipped my mind to give Nick the title earlier, but I'll go ahead and give him the title now, A Bitter Ending. And you're going to see why it's titled that here in a moment, A Bitter Ending. Now, I want to read one verse to you from chapter 15, but I'll just read it to you, and you pay close attention. Then we'll begin reading in chapter number 16. The Bible says in chapter 15 and verse 12, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually, with Absalom. Now, I know we're kind of starting here in the middle, but I'll explain why here in a moment. In verse 20 of chapter 16, the Bible says, Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art a port of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. In chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all return. So all the people shall be in peace." And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai uh, the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. My father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit or in some other place. And it will come to pass that when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say there is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they which be with him are valiant men. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee from Dan, even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person." so shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found. And we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. And of him and of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city, 
and we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Now I want you to look down in verse 23. The Bible says, And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the time that You've given us to be together. Lord, I want to ask that You would uh, use Your Word in a mighty way in the hearts of Your people tonight. Lord, only You can give substance to Your Word in our hearts. Only You can take the stories and the meanings that are found in Your Word and apply them in a way that's meaningful and draws us closer to You. Father, if there is amongst us any that do not know Christ as their precious Savior, a real personal relationship with Him, I pray that tonight they not leave this place until it's settled, until they've come to know Christ as their Savior. And Lord, above all, help us to give You glory in all that we do, and we'll be sure to give You the thanks and the honor due to Your name. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, as we've read this passage, you may be thinking to yourself, what an obscure story to read. In fact, as you read this passage, you'll find that, in a sense, the thought is sort of incomplete. Now, I don't know about you, but when we read this passage, Ahithophel, we see, is a counselor. He was a counselor for David. And when Absalom, David's son, overthrew David, ran him off the throne, Ahithophel was there to be a counselor for Absalom as well. But we find as we read this entire story, there's a few names you need to acquaint yourself with. David, of course, you need to be aware, was the uh, king that had been upon the throne of Israel. Absalom was his son that through insurrection and manipulation had stolen the throne from his father David. Now David is running and fleeing for his life. Ahithophel is the counselor that we're going to look at a little bit tonight. And Hushai is another counselor that Absalom prefers his counsel over the counsel of Ahithophel. Now, I've had times when I've had a bad day at work. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, I'm blessed as a pastor. There are a few and far between. There's times when you battle uh, the devil. But I love what I'm doing as a pastor. And I know whenever I worked a job, a secular job, there'd be days that were bad days. But I'm going to be honest with you. I never had a day that was so bad that I thought about going home and hanging myself as a result of it. I never had a time in which I just had such a terrible day or my opinion was disregarded and I just said, I'm going to go home and end it all. But we find for Ahithophel that when his counsel had been rejected, he went home, got his house in order, he hung himself, killed himself, and was buried. And now, as you read this passage, you'll find that's a bit of an extreme response to a bad day at work. But if you'll study your Bible, you'll find there's more to this story uh, than what at first meets the eye. Who was this man, Ahithophel? As we've already mentioned, he had been the counselor and personal friend of King David. He was a wealthy man. He was a man that was in great regard. In fact, the Bible says about him that when he spoke, it was as though the oracle of God spoke. People respected Ahithophel. But to understand his response, we have to go back and read a couple of other verses. Why is it that Ahithophel would take his life 
as a result of this. You don't have to read these, but I encourage you to jot down the references. They're short verses, and I'm going to read them to you. The first mention uh, chronologically of Ahithophel is found in 2 Samuel 23:34. I said chronologically, not in the uh, record of Scripture. Uh, but the Bible says in 2 Samuel 23:34, Eliphet, and it's talking about David's mighty men, it says, Eliphet, the son of Ahazbei, the son of the Machathite, Eliam, now notice that, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. So we have an introduction to Ahithophel here, and we find out he's the daddy of a man named Eliam. Now, that may not mean a lot to you yet, but I want you to notice in 2 Samuel 11:3. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 11 is a passage most of us are familiar with because it records for us probably the darkest hour in the narrative of King David. The Bible says in verse 3, And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife? of Uriah the Hittite. So as we read the Word of God, we find out that Ahithophel was not just a counselor. We find out he was not just a close personal friend of David. But we find out that this man Ahithophel was actually the grandfather of Bathsheba. You see, when we read this story, if we want to title it something, I've already given you this, I would title this uh, sermon A Bitter Ending. Because we trace back Ahithophel's rash actions to something that had happened in his life earlier. And if I could just put it plainly, I would say this. Ahithophel had a bitterness problem. Ahithophel had some anger and some grief and some sorrow. Ahithophel had a hatred of David, and he could never learn how to forgive him. To give you a little backdrop, and most of you are familiar with this, you know Bathsheba as the woman that was taken by King David. The Bible tells us in chapter 11 that there was a time when kings went forth to war. There was war in the land and David had a responsibility to go out and to fight these battles and to lead his men. But during this time, the Bible tells us that King David stayed back in his palace. And as King David was walking out upon his balcony one day, he looked down and saw a young woman by the name of Bathsheba bathing herself upon the rooftop, which was quite common in that time period in that part of the world. And so David looks upon her and he lusts after her. And he sends for Bathsheba. And Bathsheba is brought to the palace. And David lays with her and a child is conceived. And the Bible tells us very clearly that David formulated a plan to cover up this unexpected pregnancy. And so David sends for Bathsheba's husband. This would have been Ahithophel's grandson-in-law. And he sends for a man named Uriah the Hittite. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. He's close with David. He's one of his protectors, one of his confidants. And so Uriah is brought to the palace, and David attempts to coerce uh, Uriah into going home to be with Bathsheba, hoping and assuming that during these times of separation and war, they would most likely have some intimate moments, and they could blame the conception of this child upon Uriah. We know the story well. Uriah had too much honor, too much love for God, 
God, too much love for country, too much love for His King to go home and sleep in His comfortable bed while His fellow soldiers and laborers were out in the battlefield toiling. And so Uriah sleeps all night upon the steps of the palace. Well, David attempts to try to push this pregnancy off upon Uriah, and Uriah thwarts him. And so David must come up with another way to blame Uriah or another way to cover up his sin. So we know the story of how uh, David sent uh, orders to Joab, his general, that in the field, whenever the battle got hot, whenever the arrows began to fly and the blood began to be shed, that Uriah the Hittite, who was the husband of Bathsheba, the grandson-in-law of Ahithophel, was to be sent into the hottest part of the battle. We know how Uriah valiantly and loyally fell upon the field and how that David had seemingly successfully covered up the murder of Uriah and his sin of fornication and adultery with Bathsheba. We know how that God judged David, how that the uh, child died. We know how that Nathan the prophet came and spoke to David and gave the parable and pointed that long sanctified finger in David's face and said, Thou art the man, David. We're familiar with this, most of us. We've learned it in Sunday school. But the character that most of us never pay attention to is the granddaddy. There's no telling how crushed Ahithophel had been. David was one of his closest friends. David was one of the men to whom he had given counsel. David depended upon Ahithophel, and no doubt Ahithophel depended upon David. And if we could put it simply, we'd say that Ahithophel had been betrayed. Can I tell you, in your life, you're going to have times when people are going to hurt you. Times when people are going to do things both intentionally and unintentionally that hurt you to your very core. I want to say a word about Ahithophel's betrayal. I want to talk about why it was so horrible. Let me say, first off, it was so horrible because it was unexpected. Nothing cuts so deep as the knife that's in your back. Nothing cuts so deep as the injury that you were not expecting. And don't you know that Ahithophel would have probably, if somebody had come to Ahithophel and said, Ahithophel, King David is going to betray you. King David is going to wreck your granddaughter's home. King David is going to do something to utterly destroy you. Ahithophel would have probably said, you're crazy. My king would never do that to me. My friend would never hurt me like that. But you know, it's those closest to us that hurt us the most. What did Christ say about His betrayal? He, uh, the book of Psalms says, it's He, it's my close friend, it's my neighbor, it's the one that I've loved, it's the one that I've cared for. He hath lifted up His heel against me. It was the man that had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. It was the man that had seen the miracles. It was the man, by the way, that did a little bit of preaching himself. Judas went forth and preached and had powerful results, the Bible tells us, in Luke chapter number 9. But it was Judas that betrayed our Lord. And you listen to me, neighbor. Don't think for one moment that the people closest to you won't hurt you. There will be times in your life when people will do things that you cannot understand and you can't make sense out of. And sometimes hurt is unexpected. I'm sure that made it difficult. I'm sure it made it difficult because this betrayal was unprovoked. You know, sometimes people are going to hurt you that you've never done a thing in the world to. The Bible tells us that when he spoke, it was as the oracle of God. There's no telling how much of David's success and victory, both as a king and as a captain and a general, had been due to the counsel of Ahithophel. And I'm sure Ahithophel would have thought to himself, you know, I've done nothing to wrong my king. I've been loyal. I've been faithful. I've done everything that was needed 
why would He hurt me the way He has? You know, there's going to be people in your life sometimes that are going to hurt you that you've never done anything but loved them. You've never done anything but shown them love and compassion. But let me tell you something, that does not stop people from hurting us. And I'm not saying you're always going to be able to make sense out of it either. It's the darkness surrounding that hurt that makes it difficult sometimes. Not being able to understand why someone that you've cared so much about would hurt you so deeply. I want to say that it was a a terrible betrayal because it was unexpected and it was unprovoked. But I want to say that probably what hurt Ahithophel the most is that it was unjust. To our knowledge, even though God had judged David, we never hear of a trial over the murder of Uriah. We never hear of a trial where David is put before a jury. Now, I know it was a king. I know it was a monarchy. But don't you know, sometimes it kept Ahithophel awake at night thinking David got away with it. Now, you might say, well, David didn't get away with it because that baby died. Don't forget, that was Ahithophel's great-grandbaby. He felt that pain too. And I'm sure one of the hardest things to deal with was knowing that David never had to pay for the death of his grandson-in-law. There's going to be people that's going to hurt you in this life that is never going, never going to have it repaid to them. The Bible says some men's sins go uh, come beforehand, go on before them, and some of them, they're judged when we get to eternity. And there's going to be people in this world, listen to me, if this world was fair, if this world was fair, then the Christian would never have to suffer. If this world was fair, then we wouldn't have to deal with 47 million uh, unborn children murdered in this country since the institution of Roe v. Wade. If this world was fair, then we wouldn't have to deal with somebody walking into a school and shooting a bunch of children. But let me tell you, this world's not fair. And there's going to be times people are going to hurt you and listen carefully, to all appearances, they're going to get away with it. They're going to get away with it. What is the proper response when people hurt us? Well, we could be like a Hithophel and we could grow bitter. Uh, it's been said before that bitterness is like drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. It's said before that bitterness is like an acid that's kept in a vase and it hurts the vessel that holds it more than the person it's poured upon. Bitterness is a violent thing. The Bible exhorts us in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man should fail of the grace of God and this root of bitterness springing up uh, that many would be defiled thereby. Let me tell you something, neighbor. Bitterness does not always appear on the outside. There's people in this world that carry things in their heart that you'd never guess about. And I'm sure that there's people in this world that go about every day with a smile and with a seeming joy. But if you were to know in the deepest, darkest recesses of their heart, there's someone in this world that they'd rather see dead than alive. Someone in this world that there's a bitterness and hatred towards. It's a root of bitterness. You don't see it until one day it springs up. Such was the bitterness of Ahithophel. Many, many years passed, and Ahithophel... Uh, kept on counseling David every day. David uh, had not pulled Ahithophel out of the council room. Ahithophel was David's counsel when the throne was robbed from David. And Ahithophel had gone day in and day out facing David. Day in and day out giving him counsel. Day in and day out speaking kindly to him. But if you could have looked into his heart, you would have sent a hatred that wished David was dead. 
the greatest and most dark bitterness in our lives many times is unseen to those around us. And I think sometimes there's some of us that bury it so deep that we believe we don't even have it. But there comes a time when it springs up. The Bible says many are defiled. This time came. Many, many years had passed. Absalom had a great hatred for his father David. It went back through several family instances, but Absalom has uh, finally found his opportunity to steal the throne from David, his father. And so what he's done is he'd go and he'd sit in the gate every day and he would listen to the people's problems and he would judge between them. And he won the hearts of the children of Israel. And, you know, he'd whisper into their ears, you know, if there was a judge seated in the gate, if there was someone that you could take your problems to, but the king won't listen to your problems. And he was creating doubt in the mind of the children of Israel. Where there came a day when Absalom felt he was strong enough. And he took over the throne and David had to leave in exile. And we find that Ahithophel's bitterness turned into bloodlust. At this moment, Ahithophel finds his opportunity. At this moment, Ahithophel finds a chance so that he can do something to hurt David. And we see it there in our text as we've read it. Ahithophel manifested it in three ways. And you can jot these down. Look again at verse number 20. This is just after uh, David has been run out of town, so to speak. And uh, Absalom has brought Ahithophel into his council. And it says, Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. Let me pause there and say that Ahithophel had an opportunity to do the right thing. And do you know that when we regard bitterness in our hearts, every day the Lord's mercies are new, and He gives us opportunities when we draw breath to forgive that person and to make it right before Almighty God. And Ahithophel had an opportunity to do the right thing. He could have looked at Absalom and said, Absalom, you have no business on the throne. God has foreordained that David would sit upon this throne. Absalom, it's not going to be you. Absalom, you need to call your father back. You need to submit yourself to him. But instead of finding Ahithophel being responsible, we find him rejoicing in the plight of David. It says in verse 21, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. Ahithophel is rejoicing in the evil that's befallen David. Let me tell you something. Something's wrong when in the heart of a Christian they're happy when someone else comes upon difficulty. Whether they deserve it or not, you know what the Bible tells? The Bible uh, tells us that we're to forgive others, uh, even as Christ also, God also for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. We forgive people not because they deserve it. We forgive people not because they're going to do better or not because they're never going to hurt us again. Let me tell you why we forgive people, neighbor. We forgive people because Christ has forgiven us and God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. That's why we forgive people. When the time comes that Absalom or that Ahithophel could do the right thing, instead of looking and taking it as an opportunity to use his influence to try to bring David back, he seizes upon it like a predator jumping upon prey. And I've seen it a thousand times. I've seen it, and I guess when you pastor, you're around all kinds, amen? It takes all kinds to make up the church. And you see it from time to time. And usually it's not manifest in a vehem hatred. It wasn't here, if you'll notice at first. We don't find Ahithophel saying, oh, well, good. We don't find Ahithophel saying, oh, well, now's my opportunity. But you know what we find him doing? We find him seizing the opportunity to hurt 
David. And you know what I've heard people say? People fall on hard times, people mess up, and people say this. They say, boy, I knew that was going to happen. Well, boy, they've had it coming. Well, you make your bed, you got to lie in it. Let me tell you something, neighbor. Every time Christ found somebody in a bed, He he bid them to get back up and take their bed and go on rejoicing. He didn't leave them in the bed. And as believers, when we come upon people that have messed up, let me just newsflash you right here. You ready? Let me just give you something that's that's going to be news to all of us. We all mess up. (laughs) I know that's tough to cope with. You may not need grace from another believer today, but you'll need it someday. You may not need somebody's forgiveness right now, but there'll come a day when you'll need it. You better treat other people with the same grace and mercy you want other people to treat you with. But instead, he was rejoicing. Instead, he took it as an opportunity to flex his muscle, as an opportunity to move himself in position to hurt uh, David. And so we find he was not only rejoicing, but he was vengeful. Or if you prefer for alliteration's sake, he was revengeful. Look with me at verse number 1 of chapter 17. After Ahithophel gives this counsel to Absalom, he goes a little farther. Now, this is what's interesting. All that Absalom's asked him is, Absalom, what do I need to do? But now Ahithophel volunteers information to him. Look what it says in verse number 1. Moreover, in other words, after this, even when it wasn't asked for, moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he was weary and weak-handed and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee. Now, I want you to notice where his heart was. And I will smite the king only. Verse number 3 says, And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all return. What's he saying there? He's saying, Absalom, the only thing that matters is that we find David and that we kill him. If we find David and kill him, he'll fix all of our problems. Let me tell you something. I've known people that were so bitter that they thought one person caused all their problems in their life. There are spouses in this world that think that their spouse is the one that causes all their problems. There's parents in this world that think that your children is the ones that cause all their problems. And there's children in this world, hey, listen, psychiatrists have made a living off this, that think that their parents are the reason for all their problems in this world. If they could just get rid of that one person, everything would be okay. We find that Hithophel is finding his opportunity to take vengeance upon David. He wants to see David suffer. He doesn't care about anyone else if only he can see David dead. Let me tell you something. Bitterness is, uh, is a progressive thing. And it starts off under the root. But when it does spring up, it springs up as brutality. There was a sincere desire in Ahithophel's heart to see David suffer and die. And I'd ask you this question. Look in the depths of your heart and ask yourself this. Is there anyone in this world that I'd be happy if they were dead? Is there anyone in this world that I rejoice when they suffer? Is there someone in this world that it makes me happy to see them in hard times? If you're in that situation, let me tell you something. There's bitterness in your heart. Bitterness prevents 
Every step that the believer must take. Bitterness prevents the Lord from forgiving us when we've trespassed against Him. The Bible says we're to forgive others, uh, that our Father would forgive us our trespasses. It'll keep the Lord from being in fellowship with you. The Bible says uh, that if we hate our brother, we're not in the light. Only those that love their brother can fellowship with God. It prevents revival if we have a bitterness and hatred towards others. It hinders our prayer and the Lord can't do a work in our heart. Let me tell you something. Bitterness can paralyze the Christian walk. You may say, but I was right. Maybe you were. But bitterness is always wrong. You say, but they hurt me, and maybe they did. But bitterness always hurts you. It always does. So we find that he became revengeful. But I want you to notice this, and I think this does every bit of every one of us well to consider this. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. We see that he was rejoicing and he was revengeful, but ultimately he was rejected. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that one day the Lord's going to make straight every path, going to lower every hill. All things will become manifest before His eyes. The wrong will be made right. But until that time comes, the Bible says, Vengeance is... Belongeth unto me, saith the Lord. I will repay. It's not your place to go through and try to make everything right and take out vengeance. And ultimately, the Lord's always displeased with His children having an attitude of bitterness. Ahithophel was rejected, but he wasn't just rejected of Absalom. The Bible says the Lord had appointed that Hushai's counsel would be taken above Ahithophel's. Ahithophel wasn't just rejected by Absalom. He was rejected by the Lord. I believe that it hindered Ahithophel's walk with the Lord. I believe it prevented him from growing. I believe that bitterness will always hinder the Christian walk. We see his betrayal. We see his bloodlust. And finally, let's look at the progress that his bitterness took. I want to say first off uh, that it cursed him in his life. We see that Ahithophel carried this with him all these many years. There probably wasn't a day that went by that Ahithophel didn't think about what had happened to him. Probably Ahithophel hadn't spent a single day without being plagued by that evil that had come upon him. Let me tell you something. Bitterness works that way. Bitterness doesn't take a year here and there. And it doesn't take a month here and there. Bitterness takes all your days. It'll cause you to be obsessed and infatuated with what somebody has done against you. We find it was the case for Ahithophel. It absolutely took over his life. It cursed him and caused him to be unhappy. I want you to notice, secondly, that it conquered him. There came a time when he gave in to that bitterness and he acted upon it. And there'll come a day, I promise you, you stay bitter long enough, there'll come a day when you'll do something to try to bring hurt upon that person that has hurt you. But the thing we're really focusing on is verse 23. We've already read it. Look what it says. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order. Hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. The reason Ahithophel went home and killed himself was not because he had a bad day at work. It wasn't because his counsel wasn't followed. Ahithophel finally realized that he wasn't going to be the one to exact vengeance upon David. He finally understood 
that Absalom was going to send somebody else, that it would be somebody else that would take David's life, not himself, and he couldn't live with that. I want you to notice, finally it consumed him. It got to the point that except that took place, he didn't even want to live. And let me tell you something. You let something in your life, a bitterness against a believer or a lost person, come into your life, it'll take you to the place where life's not even worth living anymore. Never have we lived in a time with so many unhappy Christians. And let me tell you, there's no one in this world more unhappy than a Christian that's not living for God. And I see it all the time, and I know people, people that I love, people that I care about, but you can tell, you can see it on their face. They're angry, they're bitter, they're unhappy. There's something in their heart and in their life that's not allowing them to rejoice in what Christ has done for them and in their life. Could it be that somewhere under it all, somebody's wronged them? Could it be that somewhere under it all? Don't you talk to people all the time? I used to go to church, but I don't now. Why? Somebody hurt my feelings. And let me tell you something. That person probably isn't going to come back and apologize to you to get you back into church. Let me tell you what you have to do in that case. Boy, this is just sweet and smooth and theological. You've got to get over it. That's what you have to do. You've got to forgive that person. You've got to move on. You say, they didn't ask for my forgiveness. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. Christ paid your sin debt before you ever, ever, ever ask for His forgiveness. Now, that righteousness was not imputed to your account until you called upon Him and asked His forgiveness. But the love of the eternal heart was manifest towards you when Christ bore your sins upon Calvary. When was that? When you were a saint? No, the Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God put forgiveness in His heart for you before you ever acknowledged Him. That person in your life, whatever they've done to wrong you, let it go. Forgive them for Christ's sake. Whatever they've done to hurt you, forgive them. Let it go for Christ's sake. You say, well, uh, but if I do that, I'm never going to get to see vengeance upon them. Vengeance don't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And when we act upon that attitude of bitterness, when we live in that way, it's manifesting a lack of faith in God's promise that He's going to set everything right. But we find that Hithophel, it was one simple decision he could have made. We find the Lord had forgiven David. Hithophel never could. Hithophel, if he could have only come to the place to realize that David's a man just like him. He makes mistakes just like him. And that if nothing else, he owed it to his walk with the Lord and he owed it to the Lord to forgive David. He could have died a happy man at a later time. He could have lived a joyous life. He could have lived to see those grandbabies. He could have lived to see Solomon upon the throne possibly. But we find that bitterness took his life and consumed it. Listen, tonight I'm not going to go through a lot of theatrics and backflips. I'm not going to try to beg you to come down. Because this is one of those matters that what I want you to pray, I want you to be deliberate in how you pray for this. If there's something in your life, some bitterness, some hatred, some anger, I want you in a few moments when she starts to play, I want you to come down to this altar and I want you to talk to the Lord. And I tell you that because I love you and I believe that you're never going to get any peace until you'll give that over to the Lord and ask His forgiveness for you being bitter and ask Him to help you forgive that person. And maybe you're here tonight and there's somebody in your life that you know that's got bitterness in their heart. There's people in my life that I know that are bitter. And you can take this opportunity to come down and pray for them that God would release them from that bitterness and show them the need to ask His forgiveness 
and to forgive that one that has hurt them. 